Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you'll need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. What's up, you guys? Sean Ross, Sam, Managing Editor, FightfulWrestling.com, Fightful.com, FightfulSelect.com. If you all want to support what we're doing here, you can always leave a thumbs up, but the best way to do it is to subscribe to FightfulSelect.com. We post news. We have some backstage ROH news that will go right to your inbox right now. We have the Weekender podcast that covers this show, Ring of Honor Weekly. We've got the 205 Live NXT UK review and my Backstage Report podcast, in addition to at least two Q&A podcasts a month. Tons of stuff. If you want to support real, good, independent wrestling journalism, head over to FightfulSelect.com. Let's go ahead and talk about Best in the World 2019. This was not the best pay-per-view in the world, and I would be shocked if it ends up being the best of this weekend. This show, if I had to sum it up in one word, was disheartening. Disheartening from an attendance standpoint. Disheartening from a timing standpoint. Disheartening from an in-ring standpoint. Disheartening from a talent utilization standpoint. Disheartening from the way that things ended up. This This was a bummer, man. A lot of this was a real bummer. Let's just uh, go ahead and get into this. The attendance tonight was real sad. And I mean flat out sad. You got to remember like, and we've heard that things haven't been so hot. But I mean, you also got to think this is the same company along with New Japan that sold out MSG. Probably on the backs of other people. Man. This, this is something, guys, and I honestly thought that the biggest victim of AEW's emergence would probably be Impact Wrestling. I don't think so anymore. It might just be Ring of Honor, and hey, I hope it's not, because Ring of Honor has a lot of talent there. Oh, man, there's so much to get into. Let's go ahead and get into it. Roosh defeated Flip Gordon on the pre-show. A fine match. Uh 
I think they've got something really good in Rush. Uh, he won the Bullhorns. But it was the opening match of the night that I thought really, like, it didn't set the tone very well. Not the opening match of the night, but the pay-per-view. Dalton Castle defeated Dragon Lee. Dragon Lee is uh, Rush's brother. And this match went about 14 and a half minutes. And it was the first of several matches that went way too long. Dalton Castle is targeted, rushed by, by challenging Dragon Lee. Lee comes out and attacks with two big drop kicks, gets powerbombed on the apron. Castle was being really aggressive, and here's the thing. like Castle's not nearly as over as he was when he first showed up, and he was eccentric and different and all that, and a little bit heelish. But now that he's got those heel tendencies, he's starting to get reactions again. <clears throat> However... Castle methodically works over Lee, who finally comes back with a really weak-looking double underhook backbreaker. The offense gets a lot better with a lead drop, a drop kick from outside in and a couple of dueling suplexes, but I didn't think the work was great, man. It was a little sloppy off base. It didn't quite connect. Uh, I loved the Ian Riccoboni, Angel Hernandez reference. I like that a lot more than, than the overusing the dated references, so I kind of like that one. Castle does bangerang, and Cabana goes, well, ladies and gentlemen, that has to be the end of the match. But it wasn't. Dalton Castle hit Battle Cry or Devil's Horns or the Peacock Feathers, whatever the hell Roosh's name you want to call it for Dalton Castle. This just didn't click for me. They're obviously going towards Dalton Castle and, and Roosh again after that quick match at MSG. Ugh. I feel like this should have been about 10 minutes. I didn't think it was, I didn't think this was it. And, and the thing that I hated is all night, there wasn't a ton that clicked consistently. There were a couple really good matches. And to be honest with you, if you run this back at the TV taping, or if this was happening at the TV taping and it got a little less time, I think it probably would have resonated a little bit better. Oh man. The Allure with Velvet Sky defeated Kelly Klein and Jenny Rose. Angelina Love shoulder blocking Kelly Klein to the mat should never happen. Should never happen. Now, uh, my feelings on people saying, oh, this person is too small to be believable is well documented. I think that's stupid. But Angelina Love looks about like 105, 110 pounds, maybe, maybe more. Don't give a shit how much she weighs, really. Kelly Klein is a much bigger, larger, more imposing person. And to see Angelina Love shoulder block Kelly Klein, that was eh, not for me. Uh, Angelina did have a great spot where she would do a dive off the top rope to the floor. Ginny Rose flattened Mandy with a spear. Uh, Mandy was just, she was Mandy. Looked like a million bucks and was there for her spots. Hey, did, did everything that she needed to do. Uh, Kelly Klein has a move I, that following front DDT, it's very ambitious, and I think it could develop into a good move. Some people are saying Angelina Love is too small. I'm not saying that. I'm saying that for that particular move, I thought so. Angelina Love can be as little or big as she wants to be. It's it, her body, herself, and she'll perform according, accordingly. She's not a rookie or anything. She's been doing this for 20 years, but... Um, I thought Kelly really shined in this match. Kelly did really good. Uh, I, 
it's what somebody else just actually said in the, the live chat. By the way, guys, if you send a super chat, I will read your statement or answer your question on the air. But Kelly Klein, uh, her fallaway slams looked really good. Really good. Uh, Kelly Klein gets a lot of grief that I don't think that she always necessarily deserves. Is she the answer to the women of honor problems? Maybe not, but no single person is. And I, I mean, Mercedes Martinez and Eva East don't have contracts right now. Thunder Rosa doesn't have a contract right now. <clears throat> they need to, to build that up and make that an attraction. If I am impact MLW ROH, I'm trying to build the strongest women's division I can because there are women that can get signed out there, one of which is Maria Manic, who we reported was coming in and around early April. It took so long that I was starting to doubt it. I was like, damn, did I get that one wrong? What's going on here? <laughs> Allure escapes. Maria Manic beats up a bunch of security guards. Um, torture Rack, Awesome Bomb. She won this crowd over. Cole Cabana was hilarious. So she ripped off her shirt and revealed that she had man-eater tattooed on her. And Maria and Cabana goes, that's tattooed on her stomach? It was pretty funny. Somebody says, does MLW have a women's division? No, but there's talent out there for it. So I'm saying, if you want to stand out, you, you get one, you have at least five, four or five top-notch names. Rubber match, Kenny King defeated Jay Lethal. I knew we were for sure getting some slow chain wrestling with some kip-ups to start this one. For sure. And this one went 14 minutes, 35 seconds. It could have stayed. This one could have went uh, about a minute less, minute and a half less. They they were not on the same page. That that women's tag match could have went a couple minutes less, too. All this building up to the end, I promise you. Kenny King suplexes Lethal into the apron. Uh, there was a drop toe hold onto the chair that was good. Lethal used King's royal flush against him. King kind of catches Lethal on a suicide dive with a spine buster. Kind of. And there was, man, just a hideous series of spots, man. Kenny King caught a blue thunder bomb on Jay Lethal. Now, any wrestling school or seminar I've been a part of says, you pin somebody when their shoulders are on the mat. That didn't happen here. It was kind of awkward. Even more awkward was Kenny King doing one of the roughest-looking shooting star presses you'll ever see. There's a couple different ways that you can do it. And he does it definitely the scarier way, definitely the way that Brock Lesnar did it back in the day, kind of the way that Apollo Crews does his flips, although he never messes them up or almost does. You you do the smoother version like a Billy Kidman, like uh, a lot of people like that did, like, like you would see a Ricochet or Will Ospreay do, where – you smoothly move forward as you move outward. Then you'll see the way that Brock Lesnar used to do it and the way that Jay or that Kenny King did it here. They'll launch their body up into the air. They'll almost touch their own knees, tuck, rotate their body, and try to land flat as best they can. And uh, sometimes that doesn't work out. A lot of times it doesn't work out. A lot of times Brock Lesnar's would either look really, really bad, like at WrestleMania, where he hurt himself really bad and killed himself almost. Or it'll look like he just lands light as a feather on them. And it didn't this didn't quite work. It was not good. 
Lethal's busy blaming Amy Rose for him not winning with Lethal Injection, but then Kenny King beats Lethal with a Lethal Injection and a Royal Flush. The crowd did react great to the finish of this. Um, they want to go in with Kenny King, man. That's it. He'll be 38 next month, and that is still prime for a pro wrestler, man. I remember when he was on Tough Enough too, But he is getting more comfortable in this role. I know a lot of people in the live chat don't like him right now. He is getting more comfortable in the role, but hey, we'll see. A pure rules match. Here are the rules. There's no close punch fish to the face. No, Yeah, no close fist punches to the face. And you get three rope breaks per wrestler. That's it. It's really about it. But the first, and and if you punch somebody in the face with a closed fist, you get a warning, then you get DQ'd. I like these kinds of matches. This is good. But it's been a while since they've done one. So like the first five minutes uh, was them explaining the rules. Now, this match came about because Jonathan Gresham was sick of the way that Silas Young was beating him with underhanded cheating tactics. And the first five minutes of this is just them reiterating the rules over and over and saying, ah, I got to the ropes. Ah, I slapped you. It's not against the rules. This match could have been, like, if you give these two 18 minutes and they don't have to spend five, actually, if you give them 13 minutes and they don't have to spend the first five explaining the rules of the match to the live crowd, which have already been explained, then... This would have been amazing, nonstop, awesome. Jonathan Gresham is one of the best wrestlers in the world right now. There are a few that can even even approach holding a candle to what he does. Silas Young, I think, is one of the greatest characters in the world and is a hell of a performer as well in the ring. But this is them getting warning for punches and burning rope breaks. We get a rolling half crab from Silas that causes a rope break. Silas Young has the tiniest goddamn trunks I've ever seen. Um, he needs a lot more pant where there isn't pants. My God. His last real man was about to make an appearance on this show. Jesus Christ. So one of my favorite spots on this match was Young doing a great backbreaker into a pin. And when Gresham kicked out of it, Uh, Young rolled over into uh, like a side mount full Nelson. Like nobody uses that as a finish, and I'm surprised. I've pitched that to a couple wrestlers that like will bounce some ideas off of me. And like we're talking moves. I'm like, why doesn't anybody use that? Like a full Nelson, but from the side. Silas Young did it here. There was another wrestler in Ring of Honor who used it too. But uh, that's a move that I'm surprised hasn't been picked up yet. Uh, especially if you sit across the hips and you block that hip off. Um, you, you can really avoid your opponent sitting out there. So Silas Young using that, boy, was I happy with that. That was really cool. This leads to Gresham's last rope break. Gresham has none left, so has to work transitions and reversals in and out. Gresham has an octopus hold on and forces Young's hand into a rope break, which I loved. Then there's an amazing double suplex over the the top rope. One one of my favorite finishes of this entire, like, uh, recently, Jonathan Gresham punched Silas Young right in the balls. That's the way that Silas has beaten him. He's used all these underhanded tactics. And, you know, I I do my match ratings, and 6 out of 10 is recommended viewing. 
The biggest leap is between 5.75 and 6. In re-reviewing this as I do this, I I move that up from 5.75 to 6. But you can skip the first few minutes. You don't need the first few minutes. You're good without it. But uh, this was pretty good once you get into it. And you got to wonder, what's up with Jonathan Gresham? And man, I think he could play a heel very good, really well. As I, I hate to use the Vince McMahon term, but a bit of a sawed-off monster like Taz. That's what he is. But instead of suplexes, he's got submission holds. He can be that submission monster. It's it's just really it's he's unparalleled in that regard. Let's talk about my consistently favorite thing on this mat or show, and it went to a non-finish. The Briscoes against Team NWA. Who are Team NWA? Well, it was supposed to be uh, Nick Aldis, the World's Heavyweight Champion, and the North American Champion, Colt Cabana. However, Colt Cabana, I believe, is dealing with blood clots in his leg. Nick Aldis comes out to the pre-show to reveal who his replacement is. And James Storm comes out. James Storm has been associated with NWA and a pretty familiar name, NXT exposure, TNA exposure. He is, however, interrupted by Eli Drake, the new, uh, well, not new free agent anymore. He signed with the NWA. I think this is a good get for the NWA. Eli Drake doesn't get nearly enough credit for what he does in the ring. He can talk his ass off. And he can make what Nick Aldis has even more interesting. He is the opposite of, I don't want to say the complete opposite of Nick Aldis because physically they're, they're both like body guys. They are both like who you would expect the NWA to go after in this day and age. Um, I love Eli Drake signing with NWA. And if he's working Spring of Honor dates too, good. Uh, Drake and Aldis weren't exactly on the same page early on in this match, but it's their first time teaming. But uh, Drake did a nice neck breaker and, Aldis did a nice Michinoku driver. Eli Drake had a really impressive showing and performance here. He did a burning hammer and a run-up superplex that I just thought were really good. And it was it was good to see him in the ring, looking motivated, looking happy, knowing that there is a light at the end of the tunnel. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. After he had re-signed with Impact and they didn't do anything with him, just completely wasted him, then didn't want him to leave, okay, well, maybe do something with him. He eats a redneck boogie, he being Drake, and Aldis breaks it up, but the action spills outside and we get a double count up. This match was good. However, Drake and James Storm started battling it out. Aldis gets jumped by the Briscoes as Drake and James Storm hit the bricks. Cole Cabana isn't medically cleared, and he's on commentary. And uh, <laughs> and Ian Riccoboni's trying to talk him out of... He's <laughs> trying to talk him out of going to the ring. He's like, as a man, who's my friend? Who's my buddy? My broadcast partner who's been to my house? And I was waiting for him to say, 
who once picked me up a left side Twix on the way to the venue and recommended a Thai place for me to eat one time. I can't let you go out there. He was really selling it. By the way, guys, I appreciate all opinions in our live chat, but respect other people's opinions or our mods will take care of you. Camille tries to help uh, Aldous and couldn't because he's getting elbowed through a table. Marty Stroll comes out after this to help Nick Aldous. That didn't make any sense to me. Maybe we'll get some sense made of it, though. Sure. Shane Taylor defeated Bandito. I expected this to be a lot better than it was. I don't know who this Bandito is. Now, before I get some absolute scrubs that come along and say, uh, oh, you don't know who Bandito is, and you crucify me like um, Ryan Satin talking about Puma King, like that matters either. I know who Bandito is. I don't know who this Bandito is. The Bandito that has been whiffing in the ring on big Ring of Honor shows. The one who's slipping on the ropes and the ones who are like the one who's got guys waiting on his moves. By the way, guys, I know that Nick Aldis and Scroll are friends. That wasn't what didn't make sense to me. What didn't make sense is that Scroll showed up after the beatdown. I'm very aware of their past. I've covered I've covered every Ring of Honor pay-per-view for the last five years. Um, so there were a lot of times where Taylor had to wait on Bandito for his moves. He did a great roll-up face buster and a Fosbury flop, did Bandito. Uh, the 21-plex got bo- blocked, and Taylor hit a great power bomb. The package pile driver should have been the pin. Crowd was ready, but Bandito was alive. But this should have happened before because the best spot of this match, I thought, was Bandito catching Shane Taylor midair. Now, I'm heavy on the criticism for Bandito. This was one of the most impressive displays of strength that I have ever seen. What the hell? I couldn't believe it. Shane Taylor came off the second rope and Bandito just caught him. Jesus. He had a power slam and he followed up with a real good shooting star press. Whew. But Shane Taylor wins with the greetings from 216. All right. I'm underwhelmed by Bandito's ROH run, especially coming off that run in New Japan. Come on. ROH six-man tag team titles. This was a good match, just completely mired with botches. Looked like it went, looked like the segment went horribly over time. I, this show went big over time, by the way. I don't know if this match was it, but Villain Enterprises have new belts, so you know they're not losing them. You know they're not losing the damn belts. And they come out with LOD spikes, and I'm like, all right, cool. Cosplaying as a, another team? I don't know. We are only about 15 months removed from PCO versus Walter at Spring Break 2, and that feels like it was three years ago. Haskins and Skrull have some great chemistry, as something that you would expect out of guys who have worked together dozens of times. I'm talking like probably almost four or five dozen times they've probably worked together. 
And it shows, man, they are just, they share a brain, it looked like in there. It was really, really good. I got to see them uh, do some more stuff together. Brody did a 7-10 split dive off the apron. That was cool. Uh, PCO followed up. What happened was Brody King was on the apron and monkey flipped PCO into a senton onto Lifeblood. Speaking of Lifeblood, we have people saying it feels like Lifeblood is done. Yeah, it does. Two of the marquee names they brought in there were Juice Robinson, who reportedly doesn't want to work with Ring of Honor anymore. That's a big hit. And Tennille Dashwood, who was, let's put it out there, the most famous person on the team. And in many regards, was one of the most famous people on the entire roster and left. That that put them in the dirt. They can be a tag team. Let Lifeblood be a tag team. Whatever. They can do that. Bandito, uh, Hot Sauce, and Haskins can run for the six-man tag titles or the tag titles. Whatever. Uh, Skrull does a great Quebec crab into a backbreaker senton with Brody. It was just great. Brody had some good corner lariats, but PJ Black, who filled in for what was supposed to be Juice, kind of just stays there with his arms inside like this, waiting for them the whole time. And I'm like, damn, that looks awkward. Do something. Like ready, it's okay if you ready for it right before they hit. That's what any human would do. Black did hit a beautiful lion salt a little bit later on, but it's quickly shown up. Uh, PCO had done uh, gotten power bombed off the top rope to the apron, but Brody does this spot that got the hottest reaction of the night: a springboard slingshot arm drag to two opponents, followed by a tope con hilo. Great. Uh, PCO man, this was not PCO's night. I hate it, man, but PCO's age is showing. It was evident. PCO in this match looked like a 51-year-old man and not like PCO, the Superman that we've seen for so long. There was a spot where the ref should have counted three, but PCO didn't kick out on time. At least that's how it looked upon first viewing. Don't quote me on that. Uh, I'm still, I'll go back and watch and make sure, but it sure seemed like it was on PCO. PCO slipped and got his moonsault. Then after he had to pass on doing a spot through a table, which could have had major negative implications. But uh, this was a good match that was just mired by miscommunication. Just really bad. The Villain Enterprises win. Soldiers of Savagery come out to attack Lifeblood. Bandito makes the save for Lifeblood, so there's your your second run-in. However, Bully Ray makes a makes a, a an appearance, another run in. Your third run in. So he's he's there too. Flip Gordon comes out to help Lifeblood. There's your run in number four. But as soon as he comes out and puts on a Lifeblood shirt, Marty Skrull shows up on the screen, apparently already dressed. But it's a video from earlier, so of course he's not dressed. But he knew he queued it up because he sent Flip out there. Flip Gordon is the newest member of Villain Enterprises. Very cool. But what isn't cool is that PCO couldn't do his spot off the top rope. I think on the Haskins when they attacked Lifeblood. So Villain Enterprises ran in on their own match, running number five. And Flip Gordon did a filthy 450 through a table and was holding his arm when he got up. That ain't good, man. He just got back a couple months ago. Man, 
that was terrible. I mean, terrible looking. It, Flip could do it. He did it well. He landed poorly. That sucks, man. I've already reached out to Ring of Honor to hopefully get an update on Flip Gordon. Somebody asks uh, what Tennille's status is. She left Ring of Honor. She said that she was cleared at the end of March. Hasn't wrestled yet. So here's the hoping that Flip Gordon is okay. Ring of Honor needs him to be okay. They let's be let's be real. They need those people that had the BTE exposure, and that's him. Look at the attendance tonight. It was miserable. They need him. <sighs> Ring of Honor World Championship. Matt Taven defeated Jeff Cobb. This went like eight or nine minutes. This could have been really, really good. And I feel bad for Matt Taven because, hey, man, I was one of his, I don't want to say biggest detractors. I'm, just, I'm not necessarily interested in anything that he does. He is Ring of Honor's Baron Corbin to me. And both of them can work in the ring, but there hasn't been anything that, that grips me about him. That hour-long match gripped me. Because it showed me that he wanted, it showed me that even the character of Matt Taven wanted to be more than the Baron Corbin of Ring of Honor type of thing, or at least, you know, that type of deal. Um, so this, this was sad for Matt Taven to me, because he was going to beat Cobb, going to beat him clean, and he did. But it was in like eight minutes due to timing issues. And everybody's like, oh, Cobb's leaving tomorrow. Well, he told me that he signed a one-year contract and he didn't show up until late September. So do the math. Taven uh, got caught with several deadlift superplex or suplexes and uh, Taven yanked Cobb to the apron. Suicide dives him into the barricade. That was nasty. Taven worked over uh, Cobb's arm to prevent suplexes, but it didn't work. Cobb went right back to those high crotch suplexes. Uh, Taven, I think he got one climax, but Cobb kept reversing it. Got clobbered with a knee from Taven. But then just, boom. Out of nowhere, Taven hits one of the sickest climaxes you'll ever see. Cobb landed right on top of his head. And Taven's your winner. What? That's a bummer for Taven, man. For all the detracting, for all the comparisons, like that I even just made. Matt Taven finally got his run, and this is his opportunity with the kind of push that Ring of Honor has given him. And it's been a long, sustained push. And one of the things that turned me off from Matt Taven was the kingdom conspiracy thing, quote unquote, that Ring of Honor is trying to hold the kingdom down when it was very obvious to anybody who watches Ring of Honor. And Ring of Honor has a pretty smart crowd that Ring of Honor badly wanted to push Taven and the kingdom. That was almost condescending in its delivery to me. And he's got to overcome that. I said for a long time it looked like Matt Taven was cosplaying as other wrestlers. It looked like he would like be dressed like AJ Styles sometimes or Kenny Omega sometimes. Well, now the guy's a champion, and he earned that championship. He earned it with an awesome series of matches with Jay Lethal. Great one-hour match. Great ladder match. Has his opportunity to shine. Gets that match with Jeff Cobb, who is is one of the bigger names in Ring of Honor. 
And that gets taken away from him due to timing issues. I hate that for Matt Taven. I hate that for somebody who, uh, you know he's heard that. You know he's heard the criticisms. And hey, just, just because I respect him for, for how hard he's worked doesn't mean that he's going to be absent of those criticisms. I think it's ridiculous when he does media calls in character because, let's be honest, we're on those to get headlines and we get no headlines out of that. It's a waste of our time. But he's not wasting anybody's time as Ring of Honor champion. For all the negatives you can say about Matt Taven, that man is doing everything that he can in the ring to be the Ring of Honor champion and exemplify past Ring of Honor champions and try to exceed that. And he has went above and beyond to do that throughout his ascent to the title and since he got the title. And I think this match was well on its way to being the best match on this show. And because of timing issues, that got robbed. Also, Ring of Honor, what are you doing, man? Start your shows at 8 p.m. Do we need, do we really need Ring of Honor pay-per-views going 9 p.m. to midnight? I don't think so. I think we're good there. They didn't even show a video package before this. Their main event, they had to rush it so much. So that's my lasting impression is that I feel bad for Matt Taven. And Matt Taven and Jeff Cobb made the best out of the unfortunate situation in which they were presented. And they had a perfectly fine match in about eight or nine minutes. And I could have thought of about four or five other matches on this show. There should have been eight or nine minutes. And this wasn't one of them. This one deserved to be 14, 15 minutes. But instead, as far as I know, this was the shortest match on the show. If not, it was probably second shortest. Joseph Boza said, they tried to make chicken salad out of chicken shit and it was a passable match. Yeah, I agree. Somebody says their pay-per-views need to be four hours. No, they do not. Their pay-per-views do not need to be four hours. I don't think they're that deep. Guys, leave a thumbs up on this video if you're watching live. Make sure you subscribe to us here on YouTube. We have interviews. We have podcasts. We have breaking news. But if you want to be a pal and support us the most uh, direct way, for the price of a Sodi Papa month or Sodi Papa week, it might be a big-ass soda if you spend $5 on a soda. But... Subscribe to Fightful Select. It would mean a lot to me. Um, We are trying at Fightful to change the perception of journalism. We don't have guys over there getting paid per article that are just worried about getting to the next article, getting the next article, getting the next article. Andrew and Jeremy care. I care. We care about the news. We're talking to wrestlers every day. They're doing interviews. Uh, For this show, we talked to Flip Gordon, Mark Haskins, and Beer City Bruiser. I mean, I had Beer City Bruiser telling me why he picked Ring of Honor over WWE. We had Flip Gordon telling Jeremy Lambert that his friends all going to AEW messed with him mentally. We have Mark Haskins talking to us about Ronda Rousey stealing his moves, saying that he wants a UK extension of Ring of Honor, talking about how he got signed. Go over there, click that exclusives tab. Really, really helps. We are back Saturday night for Fighter Fest. No UFC post show. I will do a quick results video. But we're back for AEW Fighter Fest. 
So make sure you guys join us. Thank you to all of you who are here on a Friday night for Saturday morning. Fightful.com, that's a place to be. Share our stuff on social media. I can't tell you how much every retweet helps us. We're out. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.